Yo, y'all know I'm passing focus. Case you haven't noticed, squeeze and blast them open as soon as the magnum opens. Yeah, come on. I told y'all you, with man. Me, man. Come Where on. Of the Pewter Report podcast. It is a Thursday edition, the last podcast of the week, but we're saving the best for last because we got the Senior Bowl squad in the building. I am Matt Matera. Joined with me is, we've missed him for the last two days, Mr. John Ledyard, and of course, the GOAT of graphics, a great addition to the Pewter Report group ever since she came on. It is Casey Hudson. Ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing great Whoa. now. Doing awesome now. Wow. I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm fired up too. It's the Masters. The Bucks just got Keanu Neal. Blaine Gabbard's back. The Mets play today on opening day baseball. So it's a great Thursday. We're going to have an excellent episode in front of us here. That's a great point about the Mets. I forgot about opening day and everything. What's Who are the Mets playing? What's your heart rate like? What is your outlook here? How are we doing? It's it's through the roof right now. They're supposed to play at 4 o'clock, but there's uh, inclement weather. They push it back to 7 o'clock, so it's perfect. See? Tiger's finishing up now. He's, I think, on the 16th or 17th hole, so we can okay. watch Tiger. We can focus on the Pewter Report podcast, and then the Mets are at 7. I think how, the Rays how Tiger play, do? too. They won. I don't even know. He's, how do you do? He's doing well. He's one under right now. Um, so he's in like the top five or top 10. So Casey, are you a golf fan? I don't even know. I actually, yeah, I love oh. golf. My dad was huge on it. So I used to get custom clubs every year for the longest amount of times. Right. And I hated it because I didn't want to sit there and golf all day, but I can swing. There we go. Love it. <laughs> um, I have not gone golfing in many a year. Even I have not gone golfing yet since I've been down in Florida. But I did That's golf a lot. An outrage. When I was younger. Yes, that is an outrage. I've heard <laughs> yeah, that's wild. That is pretty wild, probably. But yeah, I've not done that yet. So, uh, yeah, it's just not not left. I mean, the Bucks don't really let give you much time to do things like golf. So you can't leave <laughs> your computer true. or your mobile device yeah. for a second because as soon as you do, Tom Brady on retires. Uh, you know, everything else comes into play. So there's always. There's yeah. always something going on with the box. It's truly yeah. unbelievable. You leave yep. for a second, Bruce Arians retires. Todd Bowles is the new coach. <laughs> and the most recent thing, you and Scott couldn't get through a whole pod yesterday, Matt, before, boom, breaking news. Keanu Neal is signing with the Bucks on a one-year contract. Uh, safety turned linebacker in Dallas. That didn't work out at all, but it's safety. As we saw, I'm pretty good. We'll talk about that. Uh, I think that there's a lot to unlayer with the Keanu Neal move that I'm very excited to get into today because it's not just about Keanu Neal. It's about the ripple effect throughout the rest of the Bucks. I think that's something we have, we have to look at today. But not only that, it's the ripple effect through the draft process too. That's something that really it's going to alter. I mean, I just did a seven-round mock draft the other day that had them take – or sorry, a, a first-round mock draft that had the Bucks taking Penn State safety Jaquan Brisker, who I saw as very much a – Jordan Whitehead type replacement at strong safety. Now, not that Neil signing keeps them from picking anyone else up, but to me, it kind of removes the need and they're starting to become a little bit of a log jam there that early in the draft, I don't think you'd be prioritizing the position, but we're going to talk about all that. There's lots to get into, and it's all going to be brought to you by our friends over at Celsius, the title sponsors of the Peter Report podcast. Celsius Energy Drink comes in a variety of awesome flavors. I'm rocking the peach vibe. As I told you, I would be early in the week. I told you on Monday I'd be rocking it all week. I am rocking it all week. So the peach vibe, absolutely one of my top flavors, no question about it. But you can see on the screen, bunch of great flavors, Fuji apple pear, orange, watermelon, tropical vibe. That's a Mm, that's a good one wild berry another favorite of mine strawberry guava there's lots of great flavors make sure you check them out you can go 
to Celsius.com. Use the store locator. Find out where they sell Celsius, sell Celsius near you. Or you can go to pewterreport.com. Click on the banner ads. Do the Amazon subscribe and save option to get them coming to your house regularly. You get the variety pack that way and a lot of different a lot of different methods in terms of how you get your flavors and how you choose your flavors. Also, I think they're dropping some new flavors. Either they dropped yesterday or they are about to drop, but new flavors are dropping from Celsius. Oh, yeah. I know there's a lot of interested parties in that, so make sure you are checking out uh, those things as well because some of the new flavors are, are pretty awesome. So Celsius, it's all the rage. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention, we haven't mentioned them for a while, too long, in fact, the Celsius, uh, the fast protein bars that Celsius said. These are literally the best protein bars out there. The white chocolate cookies and cream and the caramel peanut crunch, both fantastic uh, from the fast brands. You can get them both, by the way. The link is in the YouTube description below. You can click on that link, get the variety pack, and you get both of these awesome. T- I mean, the, both of them are fantastic, to be honest with you. So get the variety pack because they are. it's 20 grams of protein in these. Uh, you, so the protein without the fat's hard to get when you're trying to, like, count macros and all that stuff. So if you're doing that and you're into that, definitely check out uh, the protein options that these provide you. They're really, it's really, really great stuff. So as always, we're always wrapping and plugging our friends at Celsius because of the title sponsor of the pod, but also because we truly, they are, are delicious. Fans. Fantastic. <laughs> and I will embarrass myself and say, this was from a couple hours ago. This is currently. <laughs> Casey's absolutely wild. <laughs> Casey was drinking Lysol before we got on the show live today. She's on her second Celsius. It's going to be a wild show. You know, uh, I'm excited. It's Thursday. That's you right. Thursday. Monday. Last pod of the week until somebody drunk on retires. Or right. Yeah. Or retires. An emergency pod. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Keanu Neal. He is coming to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the Dallas Cowboys, where things went weirdly it was just kind of a weird tenure with him in dallas they signed him there was kind of this excitement oh he's gonna move to linebacker and it's gonna be great for us and it just didn't really work out at all in dallas it was it was a bad move he played basically the entire season in the box but that's not in the box as a safety that's often in the box as a linebacker trying to make him the dimebacker type of player it was totally new it didn't work out whatsoever it was different than where he's played everywhere else and the Bucs aren't going to use him in that role. I know there's been some things out there, but if they did, it would be as it truly as the dime backer, and he would be doing like zone coverage responsibilities. And I think that's all stuff that he could learn. I don't know that there would be a large usage for him in that role unless they are dramatically changing something that they have typically done with, which is basically, in other words, taking Levante David off the field more often. To me, you're going to need to see Levante David fall off before you do that, and we just haven't seen that. So I don't think the Bucs are planning on doing that. <laughs> Is it a plan B if something were to happen? Yeah. Should they be taking Devin White off the field? Yeah, but we all know that's probably not going to happen. So we're just kind of not talking about it because we don't. If it happens, we're pleasantly surprised. Okay. But I, right now, we don't expect that to happen. He's wearing that dot. So I do think dot White will be out there. Um, and Neil could be out there in certain situations, but mostly I see him as a strong safety. I don't know if this means he starts week one or anything, but I do think there eventually will work our way towards some type of timeshare between Mike Edwards and Keanu Neal more similar to 2020 maybe when he and Whitehead split a little bit more maybe a heavier split for Edwards maybe it's a feeling out process in camp and preseason does Antoine Winfield play strong safety more but I don't know Casey you have seen a good bit of Keanu Neal you have some thoughts and opinions on him as well but given what they paid for him we have to keep that in mind we were talking about a one year it's what minimum contract type of deal for Keanu Neal Given that he's 26 years old and he's not, he's just one year removed from a pretty good year in Atlanta. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of like this move for the Bucks. Okay. I like it. I have to be a case hater for like 10 seconds because boo UF. Um, but that's when he actually first hopped on my radar. My brother just graduated from FSU with a national championship ring on his finger. Pretty good. Haters in Pretty the sweet. Um, but then, yeah. So like, then here comes Keanu Neal at UF. And then it's like, what's this guy about to do? Is he going to make UF as splashy as everybody thinks? Uh, what I will say is what I've enjoyed about watching his career from college, even into the NFL is that it's kind of a double-edged sword. I do not like the fact that he is always injured. He's literally always injured. He missed yeah. two games sophomore year, two two games junior year in college, then gets to the league and is still dealing with some injury stuff. What I will say is that his bounce back has been very consistent. None of his injuries have slowed him down. A big, a, a big tell is that, you know, after he tore his ACL, he came in competing for that position and completely took over and dominated the starting position with the Falcons. So, I like the fact that he clearly has a a spectacular work ethic. He can be a little bit more versatile. Clearly, Dan Quinn thought so by switching him completely to linebacker in Dallas versus having him strong safety. Um, I don't care to see him ever, ever, ever at linebacker unless all the linebackers are down with, like, all the diseases and COVID. But I could totally see him actually starting in the Bucs system. Um, We're seeing good things from Edwards, which is awesome. But the veteran presence, the grit, his ability, his versatility in some situations, I think that they would probably be more eager to just throw him out there and see how he'll contribute rather than kind of weed him in. And now he has time, seeing as how he's officially a buck now. Yeah. And Matt, this is Keanu Neal's career has been kind of crazy. His first year in the league, it was extremely encouraging. You know, you thought he might Mm -hmm. be one of the next stars in the league and his Mm -hmm. second year kind of added to that. There was maybe a little bit more struggle in coverage. His teams figured out how to attack him, but he was in man coverage out isolated on flex tight ends. He was going to be their Gronky racer when they played those kind of matchups, obviously Gronk with New England at that time, but he was going to be that, that, that type of role for Atlanta. And then basically his career was just completely waylaid by injury season ending injury early in 2018 then early in 2019 as well. So he didn't really play poorly per se Mm -hmm. at all. Then he was coming back from those injuries in 2020 and he played 917 snaps. He looked back to himself in a lot of ways. He was pretty solid in coverage despite a pretty horrible group around him. He was a good tackler once again. He didn't miss a ton of tackles. He was constantly involved as a tackler. I think that's a key with Neil. Very fast to key, come downhill, very physical, aggressive, but despite those things, has never really been a bad tackler. All his tackling grades at PFF have been good every single year. His missed tackle numbers are fairly minimal considering how often he gets involved in tackles, his percentages, in other words, of missed tackles. So he is not kind of as an out-of-control. He's one of the enforcer types of safeties that isn't necessarily an out-of-control boomer bust type of guy. And I think you have to be maybe smart about how you use him in coverage, but I don't know that he's totally incapable in coverage either in terms of asking him to play in the slot or play in man and do things like that. He is more athletically gifted than Jordan Whitehead was. If you remember coming out, uh, Keanu Neal definitely kind of made a name for, he was kind of not talked about till late in the first round process. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, Keanu Neal, like this guy's might go first. And then boom, there he was going first round, getting drafted 17th overall. So it has just been really a weird career to then after a good year at strong safety in Atlanta he just got moved to Cowboys. I mean, obviously Quinn wanted him. They had history, yeah. and then it just didn't work out at all in the position switch, and the Cowboys wanted to go another way. I still think there's a really good player in here. We've really not seen him until this past year 
be bad on a football field for a full season. Like that just hasn't happened for him. It's more been the injury. So at 26 years old, I don't know, Matt, I still have some hope that, especially for the cost, that this is definitely a worth a risk worth taking it. Right, and we're talking about pretty serious injuries too. If I'm not mistaken, he had an Achilles injury and an ACL. So the, mm-hmm. you know, those are two of the you know essentially the worst type of injuries that you could really get. I think it's odd too that Dan Quinn obviously knows him better than almost any other coach in the NFL, being the head coach of Atlanta and then moving to Dallas. So I guess he believed that Neil could make that transition from linebacker to safety. But yeah. you would think if you know him that well maybe that wasn't necessarily the right decision to go with. So when I first found out and we were live on the podcast, when we found out about this and obviously there's the discussion about whether he's going to play linebacker or safety, my initial thought was, well, and John, you, you already spoke about it a little bit. There's no way that they're taking um, Devin white or Levante David off of the field. So I don't really think the Bucks brought him in to essentially be a third linebacker. If they were to, move on from from Kevin Minter but I think it's really important you, you talked about the the ability that he has as a tackler and Bucks fans will remember that hit that he had on Mike Evans that really wasn't a wrap-up tackle that was a sideline hit uh, during a Thursday night football game where right. he walloped Mike Evans but to Mike's credit he got up almost right away but I think it's important to have that guy that you can rely on to take the uh, the ball carrier down because we've seen with Mike Edwards for as fun as he is intercepting the ball uh, he's been prone to miss a couple of tackles. Carlton Davis has missed um, some tackles uh, as good as he is as, you know, a, a shutdown corner. That's part of the area in the secondary really where um, we've seen some issues outside of blown coverages and things like mm-hmm. that. So I, I really think Neil can help out in, in that facet of, of what Tampa Bay does on defense. And I think more importantly than anything else, just bringing depth to that position. We saw how many injuries they had in the secondary last year. And overall, just a, a guy that's athletic and a playmaker, Todd Bowles loves more than anything else versatility. So mm-hmm. the way that he's going to be able to move him around the field, I think is very exciting to watch for this season. And yeah, he played in the slots too. About the tackling. Yeah, the tackling as well. Yep, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, everybody thinks Jordan White is a good tackler, and I've said that. I believe that. I think it's you and me, Casey. It's just us. So tackles. No, I'm just kidding. Well, while John gets ready to come back to life from the Am I good? Am I back? Yeah, you're good now. You guys both spiraled out too. I didn't know what happened there. But (laughs) anyway, what I was saying about Neil, I don't know when I cut out there, but I was saying that you're right about the tackling. I think Jordan Whitehead has struggled with tackling in the past at times before, even though we think of him as a good tackler, there have been examples of him missing tackles too, like there were last year where he kind of threw himself at people and didn't really wrap up. Um, and get things done effectively. So I think that's a big deal. I mean, Neil being able to add that kind of a presence to the Bucks matters as well. And I think I'm encouraged because the Bucks haven't taken many risks on injured players. We were just talking about this on Monday's pod, maybe Scott and I. They have not really went after and gone and signed, whether it's in the draft or, you know, I don't know if it's the Beckwith stuff and all that stuff. They haven't really gone after play. In fact, a lot of the players they prioritize, even especially in big free agent signings, have been players with mostly clean bills of health other than his hand yeah. thing with Jason Pierre-Paul he was mostly clean bill throughout his career and Dominican Sue never missed a game due to injury Ryan Jensen hasn't missed a game his whole time as a buck that was kind of his calling right. card like they have kind of gone after a lot of these players who haven't necessarily had a ton of those concerns or removed from those concerns pretty considerably Logan Ryan another one barely has missed time you know so the list goes on and on Shaq Mason same thing um but this is a situation where this guy's missed missed almost two full years 
I think he froze Ian again. For <laughs> I'm only laughing too because somebody put that his internet's haunting him. <laughs> it must be cutting out so weird, oddly because I don't even lose you guys. You're like moving and everything. It's never happened like that before. <laughs> and the way you're freezing too is like semi like smiled. So I'm like, I think you're excited about this point you're about to land. Like, anyway, I think it's I think it's a good move for the for the cost of it. But Casey, uh, we've talked a little bit about his role in that in the signing. But what do you think the ripple effect on the rest of the defense is? Well, I mean, looking over the mock drafts and stuff, I definitely think that you know safety is going to fall a little a little down the line there because you have Antoine Winfield Jr. who can do both free safety and strong safety. I kind of prefer him at, at that free safety position for most of the things that I've seen them utilize him for. Um, I just, I, I have high hopes for Neil aside from the injuries, as long as he can stay healthy, you know, a healthy season for him, 2017, the guy went off. I mean, he had a amazing game against the Patriots in week seven. He kind of matched his, his career high stats in like week 10 and 11. I'm pretty sure that's the year the Falcons went to the Super Bowl and played the Patriots yet again, his ability to match with tight ends and stuff. So I just see a lot. Um, I see a lot of learning that the, the, the secondary can learn from, from Neil, even though he is a, typically a young guy himself, uh, as long as he can stay healthy, that can be a huge production for the Bucks. But they still do need to add depth. You know, Matt made a great point to the fact of signing Neil does add depth, but I think there still needs to be a little bit more that comes in. Right. It's just like at this point, is it at safety or is it at cornerback? Um, yeah. Some because- people asked in the, did they ask if there was, if the team still needs an outside corner and we'll get to that in a second too. But Neil is ability to wear a lot of hats, Matt, you mentioned it. That is something that's pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Again, at the peak of his powers, which was his first two years in the league, they would put him out wide at corner when you tried to isolate the tight end and put him backside in three-by-one sets on the single receiver side. That's what Atlanta would do with him. They would put him on that single receiver side with the tight end, with the guy they were trying to isolate. They trust him in those situations. And I'm not saying he was always perfect at it, but again, like we haven't really seen him post a bad full season. There have been certain matchups, plays, as there are with every defender. But he his strengths have always been able to shine through. He's never been a total mess until last season basically at a new position and in a part-time role. Uh, with Dallas just didn't work out at all with him but at safety we've never really seen that consistently with him so are the things that need to improve yes are there question marks for me yes I don't know whether he's going to be able to match up the same in man coverage that he once said I don't know whether that's in the cards for him or not uh, moving forward Um, I don't know if you can use him like that but are there specific matchups where I think he can help this team yes in a mostly zone heavy team uh, where they're relying a lot on the strong safety beat enforcer like Whitehead was Yeah, I think it's a pretty good fit, Matt. And I think the versatility you talked about is important. And they'll be able to do some of that with him, including his ability to play deep if they need him to. And probably not single high, but in two high shells. Like that's something that he's done and his ability to still fill the run from those spots. To me, that matters a lot when you're talking about the way the Bucs want to play defense. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And and certainly the injuries, as we talked about, is something to be – to be aware of, but I also don't think he's going to play every single snap. You know, they're going to limit his role where he's not going to have to play a hundred percent, 90%, probably even like 80% of the snaps. They're going to put him in the best situation to, to really be successful. Um, I think a lot of this kind of depends too. Like I could see uh, again, Todd Bowles is going to get very creative with it. He's, I said this yesterday on the pod, but we're talking about defensive coordinator. Uh, Scott was talking about how, the Bucs are going to get unique on defense. And I almost laughed because I'm like, we're talking about a defensive coordinator, now head coach, that would call plays where Vita Veo would drop back in coverage. And like, now we're going to get unique. I think we've already <laughs> reached that point of uh, 
getting to a unique and exotic type of defense. But yeah, I would love a scenario too. I think we all enjoy when Antoine Winfield Jr. is up at the line of scrimmage because when he blitzes, it seems like he always gets home. So I think Neil would be great to uh, on plays where if you're going to send Winfield, you can trust to have Neil back there if you have to play zone coverage or whatever it may be. Just rely on his athletic ability and the quarterback's probably going going to get the ball out quickly if Winfield is uh you know headed right towards toward right. his face. I think too one last thing when we saw Bowles when he first got here, Bowles and and Bruce Arians they like to have the uh the money backer position at defense and they tried to do that with Dion Buchanan. He played there in Arizona. They brought him to Tampa, but he, he was clearly it was he was way past his prime. Cooked. I yeah, uh, yeah he was cooked. Um but I think he got a ring out of it. So yeah shout out to him. But um <laughs> you know I could see maybe Neil they could try him out in that type of role or just they're gonna get yeah. very creative with him. And I think that's the most yeah. important part of this uh it, it this is important. Thing. Yeah and that's a different role than even what Dallas tried to use him in. But yes this is kind of one of the things that hasn't happened. The Bucks just accepting that they're gonna get thrown at a ton because nobody can mm -hmm. run on him. We've seen it for a game here and there, but it hasn't been a full sale philosophy. Like, okay, we got to do something to stop the pass. And it seems like maybe they are opening up to the fact that they need to be able to play out of base less this season. I'm not ready to say it for sure, but it seems like they're opening up to the fact that we need to be able to play out of base less this season and still be good against the run or good enough against the run when we're in nickel and dime. Obviously those are, you're surrendering something against the run in those situations. There's no, question about that even from the way you you come off the ball as, as defensive linemen you're 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 giving something up if teams want to run the ball in those spots you've got to be willing to live with that to a degree because most teams won't run the ball in those spots but they basically are looking and saying okay we're going to have a top offense again this year and last year especially with the injuries we were underprepared to play well against the pass so now how can we play well against the pass play better against the pass and still be able to defend the run. So the signing of Logan Ryan, who has been has spent his whole career as a top-notch run defender, whether he's at slot or at safety, but mostly in the slot, that helps. Boom, right? there's one. You know, better than Sean Murphy Bunting in that role, better than McCoverage probably, you know, easily said as well. Like, that, okay, there's an improvement. Or there's a player we at least got that can compete, that knows how to defend the run, but also helps us in coverage, especially communication, leadership. They haven't had a veteran that's really started for them in the secondary over the last couple of years. Now, you know, obviously, Carlton Davis is a veteran now, you know, on a second contract, but it has been mostly first contract players pretty much across the board. Very true. First contract yeah. player. So, boom, you had a leader and a veteran, a second contract guy. Now you had another one in Keanu Neal, both known for communication, leadership, vocal presence, physicality. Like, those are all things both those guys are known for. They'll bring both of them to the table. They'll be well-liked in the locker rooms, those kind of things. Okay, now you've added – a level of communication to your secondary you didn't have before as much experience in your secondary you didn't have before as much especially at multiple positions ryan's played free safety for full seasons and he's played in the slot for full seasons and he's played outside corner for full seasons. so now you have a super versatile guy neil although yes the injuries could factor into how versatile he is moving forward has played free safety and strong safety obviously not single high a bunch but he's played back he's played deep safety he's played in the box He's also now played as a linebacker, but he's also he has plenty of snaps in the slot. And as I said before, he even has played out wide in isolation situations as a matchup type of safety early in his career. I don't know if he gets back to that, but these are guys that have aligned at a lot of different spots, understand a lot of different positions, communicate at a high level, are intelligent, bring the physicality and the mindset on game days that you want. All really important things to the Bucs. Now, will Neil get hurt again? 
Has the athleticism zapped some of that ability? I really didn't think in 2020. It's been mostly healthy since then. That's super encouraging. Two seasons. I think that's why the Bucs signed him. They feel like he's moved past those injuries and he's still only 26. So yeah. they'll see how it goes this year. He could play himself into a bigger contract in Tampa Bay. We'll see. All that's down the road. But And I don't even know if he's going to start every game. I really don't. We'll have to see how the draft goes. But right now, they've given themselves the ability to be more flexible as a defense. They've added leadership and communication to their defense and experience <clears throat> to their defense for sure. And I think in two pretty talented players. Now the question becomes, Matt, what does this secondary look like ideally in your mind on game days? Who starts? Where do they play? What is base, nickel, dime? What's it all look like in your mind? Correct yeah, answer only. Correct answer. Correct answer only. <laughs> Don't yeah. screw this up, Matt. <laughs> yeah. First, first off, though, I just want to say, John, you make a great point about <laughs> playing with, with veteran guys to have leadership and mentorship that. Because you look across the defense – Vita Vea had Indomitian Sue right there. Joe Tryon Shoyanka had JPP and Shaq Barrett. Devin White, when he came in, he had Levante David. The secondary, it's always been the young guys. They've all been friends, and that's awesome. And Ooh. yes, they had Richard, they had Richard Sherman there last year, but Sherman came coach Sherman, and that was great too. But they didn't play with him too much. And sure, you can coach him up all you want, but I think there's so much value in having Logan Ryan and having Keanu Neal back there in the secondary. It's one thing when you're getting coached by them, but when you play with them and, and you you feed off of their you know characteristics and 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 things that they do on the field, I think that'll be a huge benefit. But uh, to answer the the initial question, we know who's going to be solidified there. It's it's Carlton, Jamel Dean is the number two corner, uh, Antoine Whitfield Jr. At, at safety. The question is really, I think Logan Ryan really, it's it's the big question. Like, is he going to play safety? Is he going to be that number one slot corner? I tend to think he's going to compete for that slot corner position yeah. against Sean Murphy Bunting, and he's probably best suited for that role. I think it really comes down to, we've seen in the past, as much <laughs> as they really like Mike Edwards, they haven't fully trusted him to just completely take the reins, no strings attached to just be a full-time starting safety. They've obviously plugged him into many roles and he's been successful in some of it, not all of it. Is this the year that Edwards can really become the full-time safety or is he going to split it with Keanu Neal or does Todd Bowles create a whole nother package just so Keanu Neal can get on the field and they can, again, draw up things that other mm -hmm. teams have never seen before. Hmm. Casey, what are your thoughts on what the secondary looks like now? Well, First of all, Matt, beautiful point about playing alongside leadership. Um, because yeah. I, I I think it really do. does it it does translate. There was a lot of excitement when Richard Sherman first joined the Bucks. Uh, his first game on the field, he impressed a lot of people because people thought he was going to be way more washed. Game one had a fumble um, recovery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so even though it was a tough game, but that was all you know more so injury related. The you know what translated across the field through the players and kind of got everyone excited. I really think was playing alongside a veteran presence. Um, also because it's very motivating to play along guys that, you know, are capable of, of making big plays or doing grand gestures for their team. So awesome point with that. Um, Thank you. I'm kind of torn here a little bit because for, for one, anybody besides John Murphy bunting should be at the corner position. Um, Anybody. This is so, Casey's, anybody. Casey's daily, Casey catching a body day. Just like in the world, in Tampa, in the NFL. You know, gentlemen, it's John Murphy Bunting just needs to like 
relax for a second. I it's can't... just not been good when he's been on the field. Like we just have to be like, this is year four. This right. is it. And I'm the first one to say when he came back from his injury this season after going out versus the Cowboys, he had a solid game back. And then after that, it was like, please, Jesus, take the wheel. So as you guys know, somebody's got to get roasted almost every pot I'm on, I guess. And um, so I'd prefer to see Logan Ryan there. (laughs) (laughs) I'd prefer to see Logan Ryan there if I could choose the roster. So then here you go, Logan Ryan, slot corner, Mm. hanging out, holding it down way better than SMB. Um, when it comes to the Edwards and Neil situation, now them being okay or not being okay, but them risking getting rid of Jordan Whitehead kind of made me feel like there was confidence in Mike Edwards. And if there's a confidence there, then I think there's going to be a pretty equivalent, um, head to head competition, but just the research that I've done. And of course, like I said, I, I have kind of followed, uh, Keanu Neal's career for a while i interviewed him in the first pro bowl in orlando so i got a chance to kind of like pick his brain character wise and and morality wise i just think that he would actually end up beating edwards out for that position as long as he stays healthy because dan quinn is a a spectacular coach i think very highly of him for the most part but we're also talking about having a different coaching staff we're also talking about you know a very formidable roster with the bucks I just think that he has an opportunity to level up here and Edwards can learn a lot from him so they can share certain roles, but I could see Neil beating out that position and kind of locking it down. So I could see both of those guys starting at some point in the season. Right. No, I think that it's going to be very interesting. There's going to be more competition in camp than we've seen in a couple of years for the Bucs, especially in the secondary. I think Jamel Dean is going to compete with Sean Murphy Bunting. Now, we all think that Jamel Dean is better than Sean Murphy Bunting. I think that was clearly proven last year, if not the year before, you know, where I can get there being some ups and downs. But last year it was clear. But they have realized that I hope they've realized that the Sean Murphy Bunting slot experiment needs to end or be close (laughs) to it or be a backup plan at the very least. Like that cannot be plan A. And I think that's where we're at. So I think you'll see Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean compete for an outside starting cornerback role. And compete probably throughout the season. As one struggles, you know, another can play. Uh, you know, at this point, probably not expecting either of them to stay healthy all season. So it could be a complimentary. But I think what the Bucks realize, we have to get deeper in the secondary. We have to get more experienced in the secondary. Yeah. We have to add leadership, communication in the secondary. We can't be all looking around at each other, you know, 10 times like the Rams game. We're not wondering what happened. And to be honest, that wasn't a criticism most of the year. The Bucs actually allowed less big plays down the field. Um, and blew less coverages in the secondary probably than, than almost any other team in the league. It was it was up there in terms of big plays down the field. They were uh, second best in the NFL for most of the season. So it wasn't a huge like it was a huge issue. But Winfield can't be the only guy in that role. I think they realized they need more of that. Yes. And it just the experience just helps. It just helps. You've seen more things. You know more things. You can commute more communicate more things. Um, so I think that's important. My guess is that you'll see Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean compete on the outside for corner. I think there's a possibility you do see Logan Ryan and Antoine Winfield start at safety together. There's a possibility you see Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield start at safety together. There's a possibility you see Winfield and Neal start the get at safety together. And regardless of who starts, I think you're going to see a combination of different players throughout the course of a game, depending on matchups and the personnel that's deployed by the other team, so on and so forth. I just don't think you're going to see one structured look defensively from the Bucs all game. I think you're going to see Essa. I think you're going to see whoever the other, the starting outside corner is. Let's say it's Dean. You barely wanted to say SMB. <laughs> I, I, I think that the Bucks could screw it up, but no, I, let's say it's Dean. Let's say it's Davis and let's say it's Winfield. They're going to play hundred percent of the snaps. 
I think the rest of it could be a revolving door in how in terms of how they match up best with opponents uh, and the personnel that's out there for them game to game. I almost see Logan Ryan more as a Ross Cocker replacement. Maybe he can be your third safety. He can also be your slot corner and heck he has experience at wide corner. Not that you play him out there in Tampa Bay, but I think that could be what they're looking for with, with somebody like Logan Ryan. So how this all plays out will be interesting. Ideally it would be Dean and Davis outside Ryan in the slot. Neil at strong safety and Winfield at free safety in some semblance. And then in more pass obvious situations late in the game, you have Mike Edwards and you take Neil out and you have Mike Edwards in there. If teams are spreading you out and trying to go four wide and you're playing somebody like Buffalo who likes to do that, you know, then maybe you put Neil out there as the money backer in those situations, um, depending on matchups, but you just have more answers. You have more answers and more chess pieces to align differently. You just didn't last year. Your safeties just didn't give you that. You know, Whitehead did one thing really well. Edwards did one thing really well, and you didn't really have enough answers. You didn't have any answers in the slot, really, without moving Antoine Winfield. So gives you more answers now. I think that's the biggest thing. How much Speaking do of, you th- – oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. I was going to say, how much do you think SMB's, like, wild playoff run two years ago when he when he had all the interceptions in the postseason, I feel like that, that cut him a, a lot of slack with, you know, over the next two years, whether it's, like, fans' perceptions or, you know – the Bucks coaching staff willing to, yeah, to give him another opportunity. I, yeah. I feel like uh he definitely prospered from that from that playoff. <laughs> run. It okay. could be that, Matt. It could also be the fact that they just, you know, third year, they were just weren't ready to give up on him. And that showed signs maybe year two. That was year two, obviously, maybe clicked into place and they were ready to kind of move forward and see what happened. But even in the midst of those picks, he gave up plays. Like he still did. Yeah, now, he was definitely yeah. better. The Super Bowl it's, was the best. Scott and I kind of touched on it Monday where it's like now with Bowles being the head coach, I think he's going to be more of a get the job done or step step back kind of guy versus like Bruce Arians who gives who just gives a lot of chances, which is great in some sort of fiercely loyal. Yeah, very, very loyal. But like now I think people are really going to have to continue to earn their slot week in and week out with Bowles mm-hmm. as the head coach. And for SMB, don't get me wrong. I know that I, I kind of clown on the guy a lot. But what I will say is while he has moments, I just think he's one of those guys that those injuries really kind of plagued his ability to step into that, you know, yeah. that next level player that he was you know, on track to possibly become. So don't get me wrong. I don't think that he's been absolute, you know, a trash can this whole time, not calling him a trash can. I probably should have chose better words, but you know, he hasn't been that the whole time. Right. It's just, yeah, there's too many periods of play where you're wondering what works for him. Cause I used to say, Oh, maybe if they play more man coverage, he'll be better because he's so athletic and big. And then that's not really worked when that's been the case. When Mm -hmm. they've tried to do that, it's not worked. It's just, yeah. Uh, some guys just he has all the tools. Some guys just never have the instincts. And yeah, he's even book smart. It sounds like uh, smart on the whiteboard for them. It just it just doesn't translate to games consistently. Even if there's a play here or there, you know, Daniel Jones throwing a pick right to him, Taylor Heineke off a of blitz from Kevin Mitchell throwing a pick right to him. you know it, it, it's not impossible for play to happen. It just what he didn't touch the ball hardly at all last year, right? Mm-hmm. Did he didn't have a pick? Right? I'm pretty sure like in the games he put, like didn't it just if you're going to be not that great, at least be a playmaker. And he's just yeah. outside of the playoffs. <laughs> he just hasn't been that. I so defense wise, him. you just want, not that everybody has it, but you kind of need that killer instinct as a, mm-hmm. as a defensive player. And it just, he doesn't really have it. I don't, I don't really see that, that predatory look or capability yeah. in him. And so, I mean, again, for, for what I like to see football wise and especially a defense, he just, 
he's got to find it's it been, or yeah. he lost it. And I liked him pre-draft, so it's been frustrating. There's no question about it. Uh, but at this point, the Bucks thinking that they got to move on. We're going to move on as well. We got to talk about how this all alters the draft for the Bucks uh, because that's a big one, especially because safety was pretty commonly mocked to them, or at least you know thrown around in the first couple rounds as an option with the Bucks, and still might be. And we're going to talk about that uh, too. But look, the the, the season's changing, as Matt Matera knows, and it's becoming. <laughs> Baseball oh, yeah. season, Matt. Major League Baseball is back today, opening day. And my bookie is your one-stop shop for all your betting needs with up to the minute odds on all your favorite leagues. There's never been a better time to start playing. And with my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Whether you're a diehard or a casual fan, simply put, there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting with my bookie. Sign up today at my bookie and use the promo code Pewter. P-E-W-T-E-R is the promo code to secure a first deposit bonus up to $1,000. It's simple. Deposit $200 and play with $300 instantly. Just use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to claim your bonus. Mobile or on the go, golf or UFC, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, my bookie puts the action in your hands so you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. The best bet in sports since baseball season is back is first inning, no runs. I understand not everyone's a big baseball fan. You don't want to watch three hours of baseball. You just bet first inning, no one scores. You just have to watch, watch the first inning, and you're good to go. Bing, bang, and, boom. And analytically, is that how it plays out most of the time? I'm not a big baseball guy. I, I that, don't. I, I is don't that know. like the lowest scoring? <laughs> I know. It takes, it makes sense. It takes some time sometimes to yeah. fill out pitchers. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the odds, if it's like, you know, the ace of the other team, mm-hmm. the odds are going to be you won't win as much money depending okay. on what you bet. I'd but be yeah, interested to pick, see a pick study. a game or two. You just yeah. watch the first inning. Well, and you're on. I, your I way. just I I'm not saying I doubt you. I just before I put my money on it, Matt, I'm going to need to see like a study with innings results, like runs scored per innings. Yeah, for all of baseball, like <laughs> over 162 game season, and yes. if the first inning is way lower than the rest, I might actually. I will not do that for you, but I'm sure someone else has the stats. Can we bet on hockey on my bookie? You, can you? Yeah, of course. Can you even imagine if we covered baseball? The amount of statistics <laughs> in baseball and the abbreviation just blows yeah. my mind. Baseball is like another world, not even another sport. It's like <laughs> I tried to do play-by-play for baseball once, and I was just like, this is absolutely It's not easy because there's so much downtime. Oh, so you much downtime and, and stuff. Yes. rules. And, an ADD person's worst nightmare. Yeah. It's hard to hard to focus batter, but yeah, it's just it is. It's, it's a different game. It's it's yeah. it's a different game to me. But Matt, you love it. The Mets go bet on him in my bookie. That's John uh, Murphy Bunting was a big baseball player. So yeah. maybe no. if uh you know he could become <laughs> the next Deion Sanders. <laughs> maybe good. Jeff says, How much do we pay Neil in rules out? I think he's Sue. saying Sue. Okay. No, it won't rule well, out Sue. Yeah, Neil was the minimum. It won't rule out anybody, um, including drafting a player, which is what we're gonna talk about mm-hmm. next. We kind of don't think it's going to happen in the first round just because it seems like there's a lot of guys here now. There's Winfield, there's Edwards, who they know, who even though it's obvious they don't see Edwards as like the replacement for Whitehead, they know he can play and they want him to play still. So like if you add someone else like early in the draft, you want them to play and it just doesn't feel like that's in the cards now. Like that, yeah. whoever they draft, it just feels like it's unlikely. I mean, if Hamilton fell to them, you know, it's not going to happen, but you know, <laughs> Maybe they play him, you know, obviously, and then it just changes. You just change things. 
But right now it feels like they signed Neil because they want to play. It's not like he's a, you know, been a bottom of the roster guy. He's been a starter pretty much everywhere he's been, even in Dallas as a, as a move to linebacker that he was going to be a backup role. Like he still played was seven or some snaps. I mean, he still played a lot for them last year. So this is not like a, an Andrew Adams signing. Who's been pretty much a bottom of the roster guy. You know, you could draft somebody and play. He's not going to be like, Oh wow. I expected to play like Neil thinks he's going to play. Edward's going to play. Obviously Ryan is going to play what Winfield's going to play. Even if Ryan plays in the slot and he's in the cornerback group, you're three deep at safety. Okay. Do you need a fourth guy? Maybe yes. And maybe that guy could come in the draft at some point in the draft. I tend to think it'll be in the mid rounds at the earliest late round three or early round four, something like that. Kirby Joseph from Illinois is coming for a top 30 visit. Uh, we know what Nate Bolton uh, is. The safety is also uh, visited with the team. Both of those guys. Some people put Kirby Joseph in day two. I don't know. I watched him. I don't really see a Bucks fit. I don't think he's very physical um, or aggressive. I think that he's very raw still, but he plays special teams and whoever the fourth safety is going to have to be special teams. But right now, early in the draft, I don't know, Casey, do you agree with me that safety just seems like it's kind of out of consideration for the Bucks early on? Yeah, no, I think if anything, they they might want to want to add to that D-line. Um, and then if they're going to add in the secondary, it's got to be cornerback and really kind of feel out what that depth's going to look like and what those transitions may be in the next year to three years because that's where I see a lot of movement. Like you said earlier, if, if Neil pans out, then – there could be a larger contract there. If Edwards continues to prove himself, there could be, you know, more time under his belt as a buck. So I think they at least have enough stability at the safety position to where they don't jump the gun and bring somebody in to compete um, and try to start them in and, and, and continue to circulate someone. So I totally agree. I don't think safety is much of a priority for those first couple of rounds. And this is crazy, Matt, because we just did a board. Like Scott and I just kind of narrowed it down on Monday, and we didn't really have that many players. And two of them were Lewis Seen and Jaquan Brisker as considerations of 27. I don't think either yeah. of those players are the pick now, even if they're there. Which Scott they said yesterday, Scott said yesterday, and again, the, the Neil news broke when we were live, and he was like, oh, well, I have to change half my mock draft now because I yeah. have the Bucks picking a safety, and obviously they're not going to do that. So I look at this. I, I am in agreement. I, I don't think that um, the Bucs are going to pick a safety early. I think it actually puts the Bucs back into the position where um, at 27, they're just going to pick best available. Because I think Scott and JC made a great point the other day about why drafting a left guard, unless Zion Johnson is there, why it's not absolutely necessary. And I think if you look across the board, like, yes, they could use another wide receiver, but they obviously they got the three, the big three guys uh, right mm -hmm. there. So, I think at this point, it's just really just about picking the best player available. Where can you add a little bit more depth? But if I was going to argue the other side, I would say Edwards is on the last year of his deal and Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal also signed just one-year deals. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily going into the next offseason, sure, they would. I, I'm willing to bet they would like to have Mike Edwards back, but you know they just saw, they just saw them lose Jordan Whitehead and when you sign a guy to a one-year deal, if they play higher than their contract, that's when they go get a, a more lucrative deal somewhere else with the, with a better salary. So there's an op there's a potential chance that everyone except Antoine Winfield Jr. will not be back next season. And if that's yeah. the case, then you have to you know prepare by getting a guy now and developing him for the future. Mm -hmm. It's almost the same case at cornerback with Jamel Teen and SMB uh, also right. on the last year of their deal. So. A lot of uh, a lot of uncertainty following this year. Obviously, they're in win now mode, and they'll mm -hmm. focus about now. But um, 
secondary could look a lot different come uh, next season. It's true. And we could be looking at a draft that suggests that maybe unlike even last, even last year, Joe John Jinko was going to play and he ended up playing a, a big role in last year's success. Yeah. But this year it might be even more different if they decide to go defense. Like uh, if they draft a corner or they draft a safety, it's probably unlikely that those players are playing in year one very often, you know, whenever they draft them, if they draft a corner in the first round, you know, it's just probably not that likely that they're going to do that. And that's that player makes a big jump. I mean, I'd say it's impossible. I just likely, you know, if we're betting on it, the odds are pretty slim that they play a major role. They'd step in what CB four, CB five, if Logan Ryan's yeah, exactly. a cornerback early on, you know, I mean, that's, that would be the pecking order. It's just hard to crack that group. Now, if you draft a pass rusher, he could be number three, you know, he could split time with JTS, even if it's yeah. a first round pick. So you got to look at it that way. If it's a defensive tackle and they don't resign Sue or, or they do resign Sue, it's still going to probably play half the snaps. You're probably going to split him and Golson. It's going to be a four-man rotation. Nacho's going to be in there as well. So I guess it would be five-man rotation if Sue comes back. He's going to play. Like if you sign a defensive tackle, he'll play, I'm sure, if it's early in the draft. So it is different if you go the corner route or the safety route this year. But it doesn't preclude them from doing it because, especially at corner, I think, after this year, you have nobody waiting in the wings behind SMB and Dean, and you may not re-sign either of them. Or you may resign one of them to cheap and it, it, it because they didn't have a great year, and then you're still probably looking for okay, who's gonna come beat this guy out? And that could be the situation you're in. So you're right, it's very possible corner could be the draft pick. Uh, Casey, I don't know how you see the group unfolding on Monday. We said maybe Andrew Booth from Clemson, Kyer Elam from Florida. Scott is very much against that. I think it's a possibility <laughs> still, but uh Scott is very against the Kyer Elam, he does not like his tape at all, and I haven't scouted him enough to know for sure yet, but by next week, I, I'm sure I will have. Um, Dax Hill, who's mostly a slot for Michigan, has been thrown in there. There could be other names. Kyler Gordon could be in consideration for the Bucks as well at the end of the first round. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like, do you think this team could draft a corner that early? Um, okay, well, so you're. I actually really like the mock draft that you put out right before pod. Yes, yes. Um, Scott posted a new seven-round Bucks mock draft. He did – uh, consult me on it. We changed it many times. Um, it is Scott's <laughs> pick. I do like this one. Though. I like this. I actually really like this one. Besides the fact that Christian Watson is not on it, and you guys keep the disrespect so high on that. But <laughs> aside from all my emotions, um, <laughs> the Brit out of Nebraska, um, Cam Taylor Cam Britt. Britt. Yeah. I like his build. Now, typically, I, yeah. I I know we I like you know six foot six one. And um, he's a little under that, but he, he tends to play really strong. Um, his, his stature looks like something where we've talked about versatility. We've talked about the fact that this defense likes guys that can maybe be plugged in in different aspects. He right. seems like the kind of guy that has the potential to do that. I, I really do like the coaching staff that Tampa Bay has. Um, I think they all are very much on the same page in, in terms of how they want to groom these guys. I think it speaks volumes to the fact that they had such a young, successful secondary last season. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I really actually liked that pick at the third round because um, then you're not yeah. throwing too much money at the situation. But he's somebody can they can really blossom. He's got he's got some speed to him. He's got some some strength to him. So this mock draft might be my favorite, minus the fact that um, Watson's not round. One round two, yeah, we're round one or two. <laughs> Travis Jones is the pick in round one, the UConn defensive tackle in our latest seven round mock draft. I have gone, I do not know how I feel about this one, I really don't, because I think the Bucks are looking for a certain type of player at defensive tackle, and Jones is not that type of player. But I don't know that that type of player is present, at least in the early rounds of this draft. And I think they'd like to get some contributing help out of the gate. And although Jones isn't 
the quick upfield penetrator, explosive type of player that they're looking for. He is a good player and he will help them stop the run. He is physically very imposing. He's strong. His game against Clemson. I know Clemson's offensive line was literally trash this season, but he <laughs> threw those dudes around and that's what you want to see. UConn was what four and it was absurd. They won they four games. Yeah, his career. Yeah, yeah. They haven't been good and relevant forever. And he was out there tossing people around from Clemson. It's impressive. Like it's, you know, it is, but is he going to do that in the NFL? No, but he has enough power to hold up and hold his own in the run game. And there are more flashes as a pass rusher with him than there are with Jordan Davis. I would not say that he's as good a run defender as Jordan Davis. So figuring out how to break up those two in my rankings has been really tricky for me because I don't know if Jones is good enough as a pass rusher to offset where Davis is better in the run, especially against SEC competition. So I think I am going to have Jordan Davis a tad higher early in the process. I think I had Jones a tad higher. I think I will have Davis a tad higher than him as the DT2 behind um, Devontae Wyatt, who could be on the board for the Bucks as well. And as we're kind of going down this defensive tackle trail as Scott picked Travis Jones in this seven round mock draft, which is a possibility at number 27 for the Bucks. I want to pose this question to you both about Devontae Wyatt. Two years ago, Devontae Wyatt gets three charges brought against him and they get dismissed. He kicks a door several times, basically after an argument with a female uh, in an area of the campus, I believe he kicked a door of multiple times and kind of damaged the door. Um, in the midst of, of this fight, I guess, or at the end of this fight as he was exiting. Um, got some charges brought against him for that. They got dropped. Um, you know, obviously you shouldn't abuse property. Family violence is one of the charges that was brought. I don't know. Like, it just feels like maybe it wasn't this huge deal. Now, there are some things like early in his career, he was immature. But then this past year, reports we've heard talking to people is that there was a big jump. He seemed like he matured a lot. He got a lot better obviously on the field had a breakout year for sure um and honestly when i talked to him at the senior bowl i think like he's a very likable personality um you know i think he's kind of he's gonna live it up a little bit but if you have a good structure around him maybe you don't worry about it as much in the bucks locker room i think it'd be a great place for him no question about that um he'd have a blast with the guys that are in there but i think they keep him in line too but the reality is the bucks i don't know like i'm trying to think back now but especially early in the draft. They have not taken many character risks like yeah. you know, Devin White, Vita Vea, Joe Trinchoinka, I'm trying to think, Tristan Wirfs, like Antoine Winfield even, the early second round that one was. Like there have not been a lot of like question marks or flags at anybody that they've taken pretty much. They have, and that's really free agency other than the AB thing, obviously, which was a minimal cheap signing for obviously, you know, it was kind of a mercenary sign. You know what you were getting in that situation. Mm -hmm. They really haven't taken many characteristics. Like pretty much everybody they bring in for agency, Neil, Ryan, Ryan Jensen, Jason Beerpaul, Namakinsu, like all these guys, like uh, Shaq Mason, like every trades, free agency, whatever. Like they're bringing in high caliber dudes with great reputations. And that might be Wyatt. I'm not saying it isn't Wyatt, but the reality is that this is out there with him. Does that come up on your radar at all when you evaluate the potential of Wyatt to the Bucks at number 27? Matt, go ahead, and then Casey, you can jump in after him. Well, I'm sure the Bucks are going to do all of their due diligence and speak to everyone that they can. I, I think that's the number one thing that we hear is, you know, the Bucks will bring in other prospects just to ask them about their teammates and whether or not, you know, they should have certain guys. The Bucks have shown that they're willing to uh, – bring in players I know recently they haven't but obviously if you go back to like Jameis we all know the the history behind that and everything with Antonio Brown so the Bucks have showed that sure they'll they'll take a chance on on someone I think the important thing was the second part you said John about that um, he's matured he's shown growth 
I think if you learn from your mistakes and yeah. obviously I think the, the nature of whatever he did, I think has to be asked. Sure. Um, Cause right. like if he hit a woman, like, no, absolutely. Yeah. That'd not. be a different story. Right? Don't. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. even like think twice about. Right. But the fact that it hasn't been those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, and like, it was a couple years broke. ago. Like you know, you've never broken something. I've kicked a door before. I feel like I don't remember a specific situation, but I haven't. You ever like smash a, a bottle door. or something? Like, yeah, I'm that's, sure. That's like kind that. of fun. Yeah. You ever smash? I hit tables all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Gronk jumps through tables again. Like, People yeah. give Gronk like a, a like a flower vase, and he'll smash that. That's right. Like that. Casey yeah. watching SMB just flipping. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Jalen Darden falls again. Just Darden. No, it's a good point, though. I mean, this is – we're talking about youthful, you know, indiscretions, obviously, in this situation uh, with him. We could be talking about that. Yeah. There's nothing that I'm aware of that would be, like, super big red flag unless there's still ongoing stuff or, you know, they feel like the maturity is a question. It's something to note, but from our sure. vantage point – we don't even really talk about these things in the pod usually, but mm -hmm. because he is so commonly mocked to the box, I felt like we needed to talk about it at some point, just kind of get it out there and be like, okay, this yeah. is this could keep them from drafting them potentially if they – look into it and they discover that there's more here. They have mm -hmm. not taken a lot of character concern risks. And honestly, they just haven't like they really prioritize what the locker room looks like and they want to keep it that way. And I think the fact that they took one tiny risk, cheap risk on AB yeah. and it's kind of backfired. Obviously they won a Super Bowl, but it, yeah, it, it worked the first year, like, you know, right. and, and Tom Brady will keep... still backfire. Yeah, yeah. eventually. But, you know, Tom Brady, except for AB, he's pretty much able to keep everyone in line. So I trust Tom Brady in the locker room more than Which really any other team. I mean, Alien smashed a few things before. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks we for being all honest have to do it. I kind of said it on, on iHeart. Like if there's a team that's going to, that's best suited for people who are trying to redirect their life. I really do think that the Bucks and the Bucks coaching staff um, is a great team for that. But I think John, you make a good point after the headache called AB this past season. I think that they just kind of really want to have no distractions because I, you know, it might not be a favorable response, but I do think that some of the drama that correlated towards the end of the season was part of what had Tom Brady really being like, okay, do I want to do this again? And then once he realized that things could be a lot more even kill and, and calmer and less dramatic, then he was like, yeah, heck yeah, I miss football. So yeah. I think that having those people that could disrupt the piece could be a problem. Now, he was younger. He could have matured. I hope so. I trust the Bucks to do the right due diligence to talk to this guy and kind of poke any holes in whether or not he's just being an interview perfect guy, because that's the other thing. A lot of the conversations that are saying that he's matured has been in the past year. Well, yeah, you're in a draft year. You're going to, you're going to put your best foot forward. I would hope because you know, yeah. everybody's watching you, but what happens the minute that, that contract hits your account and you know, you're riding pretty, are you going to act like a crazy person again? Most people do. I act crazy when I have more dollar bills in my account as well. So we just, is it entirely worth it? Who knows? I just would like to see yeah. the timeline in which he started all of a sudden maturing versus like, yeah. is it real or is it not? But kicking a door and stuff, you know, when you're, when I give everybody a reprieve to be a better human being. Sure. Right. Absolutely. And round two, we had uh, the Bucks taking Colorado state tight end Trey McBride, six, four, 246 pounds senior, 
He ran the other day at his pro day, ran in the four fives. Do we believe that? Uh, I don't know if we maybe he's a four six guy. What are you, Tony Romo? Thing? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, I of tight ends that I prefer. So that's true. This is Casey is very much a weight class truther. Let me make sure I get this right. <laughs> she is a huge weight class truther when it comes to this. Let's look real quickly to make sure that 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 Scott didn't pull that off like their website, that yeah. weight number, because give me a this is important. at least. The, yeah, this is important. We need to make sure we get this weight correct with Trey <laughs> McBride. So I'm going to look for that, but he is kind of consensus the top tight end. Somebody asked in the chat, if it's worth it to draft a tight end when you could just sign one as a free agent, are the that much that much better these tight ends in this draft? I would say two things. Number one, the cost is great, uh, uh, is less Probably obviously yeah. to drafting a tight end, especially later, not the first round, but later as it gets down the board. And you have cost controlled contract now for that many years, for four years. That is valuable in and of itself. Second, look at the group of tight ends that's left in free agency. They went pretty quick, the guys who could play. There's clearly more upside with the group that you could draft. Will they all be better than the Cal Rudolph who's still sitting out there? I have no clue. Like, especially at this point in his career, Cal Rudolph, I don't know um, if all of them will be. But the chances that one will be is, is better than 32-year-old Cal Rudolph or whatever is pretty high, in my opinion. The one will be better than him. So that's kind of how I see it with that. I don't know that I would compare those two things super closely. Does it need to be McBride? Does it need to be in the second round? I don't think so. McBride is a solid player. He blocks. He gets after people. Uh, he'll be fine. He'll be an effective player. He'll split the role. It would be fine. If Gronk came back, it would be even better. Like He would just have to play here and there, and it wouldn't really matter for this year. And you could develop him, and he could keep getting stronger and bigger so that Casey doesn't rip on him on the pod. Uh, you know, all those things. I think all that's possible. But he and does he get after people, Casey. He, hey, he's physical. Well, he comes from a, a very run-heavy team, and he spoke about that a lot uh, at the Combine, that he didn't even really get to show off much of his receiving skills because that's what the team did, especially when they were in the red zone. And I thought still he was pretty good as a receiver just watching him at the Senior Bowl and, and uh, you know, seeing him at, at the, the Combine as well, too. I think it's important to note as well that, um, you know, on offense, outside of left guard, really the whole roster, there's not too many guys you could draft right now. It's going to be a, a plug and play. Yeah. Um, tight end would be the one position. It's a huge caveat. This is if Gronk doesn't come back. That's like a, the one position where, sure, you feel pretty good about Cam Brate, but you could draft a guy and potentially he could be your, your starter for the first game of the season. Yeah. But also, again, you want to invest in a player now. This is a pretty upscale tight end class where if Gronk does come back, it's probably just for one more year anyway. So why not take a guy now? And again, you have your uh, you have your tight end for the next three or four years. Yeah. Well, when we did battle plans and all the conversations that we had for a round table and, you know, who's our, our crush and who do we think the Bucks need, I've been preaching tight ends for a long time. So for the questions in the in the chat that keep putting weight next to it, I am a freak about things just being kind of like very pro style. So yes, weight does matter. If I think it matters to team. Yeah, Teams. if you're going to be a blocking tight end, you can't be an undersized guy, or else you're going to yeah. get completely destroyed. So the yes, weight matters. Yeah. It's not just a wrestling thing, and every all the other questions uh, yeah. you guys had. Other than that, yeah. um, what I do like about McBride, I will say, is that like Colorado State's, you know, their their system and and how they play and whatnot, 
you don't have a bunch of hybrid tight ends that have come out of that school. So I just, I do have a lot more faith in the fact that he will be able to block. Um, yeah. and He's then done it. Do, that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. A lot of these guys haven't done it in college. So exactly. And that's the problem is that so many of these colleges barely have their tight ends blocking. So at least mm -hmm. he's a better choice in, in that circumstance. And then, you know, if he gets to learn alongside and behind a guy named Gronk and they put 20 pounds on him, yeah. <laughs> I will be a happy camper with McBride. Um, I'm pretty sure I had him in my battle plan as well. So I wouldn't mind them grooming a tight end, bringing it, bringing a guy in early and, you know, at the weight class that he's at, depending if he's ready to start catching some things and he can be useful in, in certain downs and in certain circumstances. So right. I wouldn't mind it. It'd be a good yep. developmental period. And we don't know what next year's draft is going to look like. Everybody's hoping for a way, way better quarterback class. Right. For sure. Yeah. Let's go through the rest of the mock real quick and then we'll wrap up on uh, Nebraska cornerback Cam Taylor Britt. Obviously, as Casey mentioned, is round three, the late round three pick uh, for the box. Then uh, Damian Pierce, the Florida running back. In round four, we all like Pierce. We're all fans. He had a good senior bowl. He's a good dude. He's fit. He fits. He makes sense. I think you know some of the other team could draft him before the Bucks, but I definitely we think all like him. John. Like him. Oh, Scott likes him now. He's coming around. Casey. Yeah, yeah he is. He's, he's coming uh, around. Um, he's changed his mind on that. And then Tarikius Tisdale, I believe, is how you say it. In round seven, an outside linebacker type of player for the Bucks or defensive lineman, versatile uh, D lineman, and then Iowa safety Dane Belton. I think I called him something. I think I called him Nate Belton earlier in the pod. I'm sorry for that, Dane. But <laughs> Dane Belton uh, in round seven as the Bucks' last draft pick is kind of some of the thoughts there. I'm sure Scott will talk more about it next week when he's on the pod on Monday. But that's the seven-round mock. Go read the explanations for that. Scott's also broken down the Bucks by position so you can kind of see where we think they're going to set their resources to in the draft. I do think I see all of you every single pod. I know you care about them drafting defensive linemen and you think that there's not enough pass rushers on this team. I think the Bucs hear you. I would be surprised if we go through the first three rounds and there isn't a defensive lineman added to this group, but they are very much in best player available mode and they're not going to reach just to fill a position when there might not be a good player there. Like you can't do that. That's when you get into huge trouble. So that is why, in my opinion, they might not, they might wait to draft a tight end. I think Scott might be a little bit early with that. He might not be, he, he, you know, he might definitely might not be right now. He is right. It is a major need. I mean, if Gronk, it sounds like there's you know a real chance he might not come back. It's just very 50-50. And if he doesn't, you know, if he retires, then yeah, I think that it's there's no question, you know, this is a it becomes a position where you have to have somebody that, that can play. And you could do that in free agency still, but it would be a cheap, low upside player. And it, it's smart to invest something in a tight end at this some point in this year's draft. So we'll keep looking at the options, we'll keep chatting about it. This is not the final. Buck seven round mock draft. There will be a final Buck seven round mock draft, and there will be Buck's best bets that start to come out as well at Peter Report. We'll have our positional previews, all of that. My position rankings will continue to drop as well. Going to be a fun couple weeks at PeterReport.com. Make sure you have it all bookmarked, obviously. Um, and uh, yes, I like Jelani Woods as well. There is some like for Jelani Woods out there. Scott likes him as well. We'll talk about him more in a future podcast as well. Next week, you might see us get into some tight end chatter if this Gronk thing doesn't get resolved because we've got to start hitting that position pretty heavy uh, in the coming days, I think. Also, the Bucks, the Pewter Report draft show is happening this year. All three days of the draft, we will be live for every single pick, breaking it all down. And we'll all be together too for it. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. We'll have lots of great coverage, lots of great opinions, perspectives. The show is going to be wild. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you're subscribed. Pewter Report TV, spread the word, send the link, tell the people about the show. It's going to be going down all three days of the draft. We're breaking down not only everything Bucks. But everything NFL draft, you know, we've done our homework. We know the draft as a whole and 
my background, I know some of these other teams and everybody else is obviously fandom of different teams as well. So we'll have a lot of the draft covered. It's going to be a lot of fun all three days of the draft. Um, we're looking forward to breaking that all down for you uh, coming up here at the end of the month. So make sure you subscribe, give the thumbs up, hit like on the channel, help boost our YouTube al algorithm, help us out. Until Monday, thanks so much to everybody for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Have a great weekend.